Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, Kulays. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about Xavi's departure, and we will revisit the Real match. Joining me today to talk about all these topics is Remy Dixon in the Bay Area in San Francisco. Remy, how you doing? Doing well. Um, the 49ers won the NFC <laughs> last night. Not that I'm a huge 49ers fan, but I did try to sleep in basically what was a war zone and a NASCAR race. Uh, <laughs> fireworks in my neighborhood are oh, wow. crazy. And also, you have all these 49ers fans that are just driving the streets just going off so imagine a world cup win for your team but like not that big <laughs> well I, I stayed up late here in madrid watching it so obviously everyone knows i'm i'm from san francisco i'm a huge 49er fan so i'm happy that they advanced it was a late night last night i was able to take the day off today so uh as you can hear i'm i'm a little rested but yeah i went to bed last night at 4 a.m as a happy fan for sure uh well we have a lot to get into but before we do that um want to talk about magic mind uh our new sponsor they are the world's first productivity drink and if you're looking for a great way to keep your energy steady throughout the day magic mind is a way to help achieve that with magic mind you can ditch the third or fourth cup of coffee and stay alert and focused throughout the day a great way to take magic mind is you know incorporate that as part of your morning routine. You know, Remy, you've been taking it for, I think, about a week or so. So kind of tell us, you know, what you've been, what your initial thoughts about Magic Mind. Yeah, it's really great. The taste is, it's a little earthy, but very refreshing. Like you don't need to add anything to it. It's a lovely little shot, a little boost of energy throughout the day. Like I don't drink coffee as much as I used to really enjoy just getting into that flow state. You know, I take it right when I'm about to get into a very productive moment and it just helps me stay focused. It helps me stay like on task and just keeps it going, you know, gives you that energy. So it's, it's really, it's been a really nice addition to my productivity tool set. Yeah. And they, and they sent you, I think about 10 drinks or mm -hmm. so uh, nicely packaged. So again, they have a subscription service. Yeah, Magic Mind is full of natural ingredients such as Bacupa Monieri, which is a neurotropic that improves your attention span, your ability to process and learn new information. And, you know, the people at Magic Mind created a super offer for me to share with Kool-Aid's. You get three months for the price of two with a quarterly subscription using the code BarsaTalk20. Again, the code is BarsaTalk20. 
you can grab that at magicbind.com backslash Jan Barsatok and redeem that there. Crush your 2024 New Year resolutions fully focused. Again, the link is in the show notes. Click on there. You'll have the code and everything ready to go. All right, Remy, let's get into the news of the weekend after the match. Uh, I wasn't able to watch the match live. I was out and about here, but I did watch the match on replay. And obviously, in our WhatsApp group, we had a lot of, <laughs> I would say, more than 300, uh, <laughs> 300 more chats after the game. Obviously, the news broke that Xavi was leaving FC Barcelona at the end of June. And, you know, there's a lot of, oof, there's a lot of things to, to process with this news because, you know, we've talked about the, you know, what was Xavi's initial role as the coach coming in here at that moment to help be a bridge for FC Barcelona. Again, he's going to be staying until the end of the season, June 30th. What are your kind of your first initial reactions to learning about Xavi leaving? So I think first and foremost, I will commend him for sticking to his word and making that step. I think it says a lot about how much of a Barca man that he is. I think there are a lot of managers that would have stayed, especially knowing where we are financially and everything. I think it would have been easy for him to try to stick it out until Laporta had to make a decision and or put Laporta in a position where he couldn't make a decision, right? So I commend him for that. Overall, my reaction though is I think it's the best decision. It's unfortunate that this is where we are, especially with Xavi, but I think making this decision helps preserve his legacy as a player of this team and not have it tainted as a manager that perhaps given another season, we could have been even in an even worse position. Yeah. And again, in the Villarreal match, again, we give up the first goals again, uh, a trend that we've been seeing all season uh, this month. I was in the WhatsApp chat, 19 goals this month so far. Uh, that we've allowed, which is crazy considering last year we allowed 20 during the whole season to kind of give some context. My, you know, in his press conference, right, he he announces this and he kept talking about a dynamic change, dynamic change, cambio dinamico, no? like he kept saying this. So my question to you, do you think it's better that he leaves now, like let's say to right now, this moment, or do you think it's it's okay for him to stay for the for the end of the season? if there's a need for a dynamic change in the team? I mean, a dynamic change is definitely needed, but I don't know, given our financial situation, given who's out there and available right now, I'm not quite sure him leaving would help or hurt. I mean, we're already out of the majority of the major competitions. Can we get top four? That's going to be key, but realistically, even before the last four or five matches, as soon as they announced that we were playing Napoli, I wasn't like, oh yeah, we're going to go. I mean, you know, perhaps him announcing this, the players come together and are galvanized, but I personally don't think it was the players lack of belief or lack of yeah. that put us in this position. So we're not going to go off and win the champions league because we're trying to do it for Xavi. We're not going to win the league because we're trying to do it for Xavi. So I I do think a dynamic change could help, but I don't think we're in a position right now to get the person that we need to move forward on a 
I would say kind of a whim in a sense, you know, like I, I would, I would rather stick it with Xavi. Hopefully we can pull together. Hopefully he learns from some of his mistakes and we can at least get top four and stay in the champions league. That would be the biggest tragedy, but I don't, I don't think we could get a person in now that would help us do the things we need to do or win the champions league or whatever. Uh, just because he's left. Yeah. There's a couple things uh, today on the news I was watching while I was having lunch, and it seems to talk about galvanizing players, right? Robin uh, Lewandowski seems that he invited a bunch of the players over his house today to have a, a kind of meeting of the minds to try to get everyone on the same page. And, you know, to me, when I watch this team this year, it's not to me, it's not like a lack of effort that that's what's happening that are a lack of belief or this type of thing. So it's quite interesting that this is happening or it happened today at Lewandowski's house. And the other thing too is, I don't know, like on one hand, you know, when I think about him staying till June 30th, the most important thing right now is to stay in the top four to get champions league, right? That's the ultimate uh, goal right now to succeed. But I mean, if we take a look at the way the two managers uh, that recently announced their departure, right? So we have Jurgen Klopp that just announced he's going to stay out to the end of the season. Okay. That seems the normal way to do it, right? Because he has such legacy with the club. He's going to stay at the thing. But with this situation, I don't think he's built enough equity to do that. And I just, I don't know if I have belief in him to capture the team and to get that fourth place. And that's that's where I'm kind of at odds. And I know we don't have the money and I don't know the solution of who can come in just to go for the last six months, you know, to try to get us that. But, you know, during the press conference, he kept talking about the attitude of the players and that he has, uh, doesn't have the energy that it's become really hard for him to, um, to coach in this environment that he's not appreciated. And I can understand all that as well, because we know all the politics that goes along with the board and Laporte and all this stuff. But I, I, I don't know if this is the best solution. And I'm really worried that, you know, you know how it is. If a, if a coach is going to be already out, what are the players going to do now? I mean, are they really going to galvanize? Are they going to, I know they're professionals, but they don't really have, they don't need to like do this. Right. Like, and they can just go and play, collect a check and move on, you know? Well, so the interesting thing is, I think what I've been realizing and thinking about, I just read an article on ESPN talking about the reasons Barca haven't been playing well. Xavi was the last reason they put, and it feels like it echoes kind of this like thing where, a lot of ex-coaches, you see Pep, you see you see Gavi coming out with you to the death. You see a lot of these, like, it seems like a lot of people who really like Xavi as a person and or as a player are so inclined to blame everything on everything else but Xavi. And so there's a part of me that feels the players, I don't think the players are going to be not motivated. I think this could help galvanize them in a way, but... Again, the issue wasn't that they were unmotivated and they weren't galvanized. I think what this could do is a boost to help them try to help him save his time here and prove like, oh, you know, it wasn't all a wash. I don't think they're going to win anything, but I think they're going to fight harder to get into a place that's not just like, like, I, I can't see these players other than Jao Felix because all he does is collect a check, but I can't see the majority of these other players actively being like, oh, I'm going to try less. That said, it's still Xavi. It's still the most predictable team and the most predictable tactics out in the game right now to where a third division team can come to us and think, 
we know how to play against this guy. So that's going to be our issue. It's not going to be the players. It's going to be, do we still keep doing the same thing? Yeah. And that, that's, that's really what it comes down to too, you know, because, you know, we have all these, I mean, we have you know so many matches left. We have the Champions League left. I know we're going to get Ter Stegen, so that's going to give us a boost. But again, I just the understanding of allowing all these early goals tactically. Um, I know that's. I'm just talking about Chavi tactically as a coach and kind of the shortcomings that he's had as a, as a manager of just trying to fix these issues. You know, trying to go forward and adapt, and then also to improve players. I think those are some of the things I look at as his tenure that we're lacking, you know, under the last two years or so. Now, the on the other hand, I understand as well that the issue with the board, I mean, this is always going to be an issue, right? The board has so many people that have so many agendas that they're trying to do. They leak to the newspaper. Like you saw last weekend when Laporta was talking to the team with Xavi, it looks like the principal talking to the students type of thing. Mm-hmm. And like, that doesn't need to be leaked. Like, I don't understand why that needs to be led to the papers, you know, and it's like this idea is like, this this narrative that Laporta is the one holding this thing together rather than Xavi, right? It's kind of this undermine that's always going on. And I think it's also important to note that Xavi wasn't Laporta's first guy, you know, and that's that's a big issue, you know. And and, and on top of that, there's been a lot of transition in the C-suite, you know, with all the uh, chief operators, the scouts. We have Deco now. And it's just every year there's just such an influx of people. There's never any stability and as we love to talk about sustainability as well mm-hmm. with this idea the same ideas i mean you see this in all professional sports one of the things that's h- the hardest thing to do is to keep people in the same positions to have a dynasty to work together i mean that's why we were so lucky under pep we had the same people that same vision that type of thing and i also think because today i was having coffee with a um, friend of the show ben hayward who's a journalist uh here in europe that covers la liga and and Premier League and so forth. And we were talking about this idea of the next manager. And, you know, is is this still a great job, you know, for the, for a person to come in right now? You know, like, as you were just talking, I, I started thinking about something that I saw last night that just like always gets me, you know, in American sports, when a team wins a trophy, the first person that gets handed the trophy is the general manager, the CEO or the owner. And I've always thought that's the most ridiculous thing. Yes, that person may have done back office moves to get certain people into place, but they didn't play the games. They didn't coach the team. They didn't do all those things. They don't deserve it. But American sports reinforcing that whole like, oh, the CEO is the person, blah, 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 all that stuff. You're talking about Laporta and the whole back office. Yes, there have been changes. But in the last two years, the person who, unless we're saying Laporta has been changing tactics as well and pushing players here and there and all that. The one constant has been Xavi, his team. Yes, we've had injuries, all of these things. And, you know, I saw all over in our our WhatsApp chat people being like, oh, like Cancelo's mistake for that goal. Oh, that was Xavi's fault too. It wasn't. Like there there are things that happen in games that are not the manager's fault. But what is the manager's fault is – how do you set the team up? How do you, where do you put players? What are the things that you do? What are your tactics? How do you adjust when you need to adjust those tactics? And that's been a constant. He's been the one with the reins, his, his brother, his staff, they've been the ones setting the games, doing all these things. Right. And they, they've just not been good enough. So 
I think the idea that the back office has had so much turmoil and changes and everything, again, a good manager says, here's what I can control, how my players go out, how we prepare for games. And the amount of times that we've all sat here having this conversation, oh, it doesn't look like they practice together. Why are Lewandowski <laughs> and Rafinha can't pass the ball to each other? Like, yeah. what do they do? You know, you're you're watching games. I think for me, the Las Palmas game was such a big, such a big understanding of like, I don't know how we prepare because a team that plays a high line, it took us 30 minutes before we started actually like exploiting the fact that all they do is play a high line. Like, what do you, unless we're saying that the players just come out and do the exact opposite of what Xavi tells them, which I cannot imagine that being the case. Sure. We, we don't come out with a plan. So I say, I don't think the back office, yes, there's been turmoil, but Xavi has been the one that controls what happens on the pitch and what's happening on the pitch is not good enough. Yeah. And, and that's what it comes down to. Right. I mean, uh, I know we, we won La Liga, but also I, I just think about how, okay, we, we clinched La Liga and then also the last month of the season how we we almost we lost every single game essentially you know we we limped in there and you know with another manager that doesn't happen and and i don't know if there's maybe lack of accountability maybe he maybe gets preference to you know stars like lewandowski i don't know what's going on there but like you said um we always joke around about how they don't look like they practice or they know what is expected or what is the the game plan for that match because it looks like they just rolled out of the bus and they're just like, okay, let's get going. And then all of a sudden it's down one, nothing, you know? So, you know, I, you know, I have mixed feelings about this because, you know, I, I hoped he was going to be a better manager understanding the pressures of being at FC Barcelona. And you can see that the pressures have consumed him. I mean, he, you know, in the last couple months, he had to hire his own press person to get better press uh, practice and to kind of spin that narrative because one of the things that he was saying, like I, like I was just saying, is that there's so many people in the back that are trying to spin different agendas right into the into the press. And so, you know, when we look forward to this, you know, what what are you looking for in a manager to take the helm, uh, you know, for the upcoming season? What are kind of some of your, I don't know, your 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 must haves or your wishes? Yes. Yeah, so for the last many managers, I have been saying. We need a manager who understands that the Barca identity isn't possession for no reason. It's not possession for the sake of possession. Like, I don't know where this idea came from, but I think a lot of people can easily look at the pep days and be like, oh, we had so much possession and that's what Barca means. I still remember the last couple of years, the videos of, oh, it was 25 passes before the goal and like, how we're like championing that is like the Barca way. There's nothing wrong with that, but that is no longer the only way to play football. And and it was never the way we played football in the first place. Xavi, when he was playing with Iniesta and Messi under Pep, yes, you would see one, two, three passes of like back to back right next to each other. But then all of a sudden that ball goes to Jordi Alba and Luis Suarez is open for the goal, like because we sucked in a team. Now all we do is suck in teams and let them. I was I was talking about this against uh, Villarreal. I'm like, we under Xavi, it feels like we are like the gentleman fighters from the back in the old days that are like, oh no, get set. Like we're not going to fight you until like you're you're settled, you're ready to go. Like the idea of counterattacking seems like a sucker punch. You know, it's like no, we're like no, we'll get the ball if you're not ready. Get your defense set and then we'll try to play through you. Um, 
So I say all that to say my first must-have is a manager that understands that you can have possession but also move forward. Attacking play is necessary. Um, there's that. There's a manager that really understands how to adjust when things are not going well. Like your in-game adjustment has to be swift. It has to be resolute. Um, but you also have to be just – you have to be flexible. Things change. Yeah. Things change. Teams change how they approach you. You got to be flexible. I think if we have those two things, the rest of it is like good man management, of course, you know. Like sure. Obviously being strong enough to stand up to the board. And then key, key is having a back office staff that knows what they're doing, especially when it comes to the physical side of things. We're, we're obviously going to be a team that relies on young players for a while to come. And if it's, augmenting that with slightly older players that like aren't going to be our starters, but like can put in a, a shift when they need to, or rest Yamal for the last 30 of a game because he's done his work and things like that. Like we need a staff that can figure that out and then physically keep these players fit. Yeah. I think that's, those are some good must haves. You know, when I think about, uh, you know, as you mentioned the adaptability, I think, we can still have a Barca style, quote unquote style, as the theme, but we can adapt to different situations on how we're doing. You know, today when I was speaking with Ben, I also mentioned that, you know, one of the things that Barcelona has been or hasn't been known for in the last 20 years, I would say, is scoring late goals when we need to, right? We just we we cannot do that, right? And and I always joke around, you know, as that that thing is that, you know, if I had to take a team like Villarreal, I can probably guarantee that they're going to have more chances than Barcelona will in the end of the match because they want to have the perfect shot and the perfect goal. And I think you can have a little bit of both. You know, if there is a desperation, you know, in Champions League kind of tournament, like, let's go for it. Let's score those goals. I think we kind of have to change our romantic ideas as a Kool-Aid. Like, yeah, we want to win beautifully, of course, but I also want to win too, you know. There's moments that we can have a little bit of both. The physio thing is imperative. I mean – you look at the amount of injuries and we aren't, we used to be, you know, like we used to be so physically gifted. Uh, we'd never really had injury issues as much. And now under the last two managers, we've had a lot of issues with players uh, not being able to perform. Not, exactly. Exactly. I would say maybe the last one is Luis Enrique. Yeah. You know, yeah. because I think Luis Enrique, not only with his background as a player, but also his, love of triathlons was able to really understand you know how to really train and taper and that type of idea and really took that to another level i you know when i think of those players they were absolute horses but now you know you look at the injury list that we have it's always injury. i mean we just lost ball day for the season i'm not saying it's related to this but it's just a constant er of players that we have you know and we need to get them more physical this is modern football you can still put on some muscle and understand that you can get a little bit physical. I'm not saying you have to put on 10 kilos of muscle, but like we can we can bulk up a couple here and there, you know. The and picture of sorry, like I was gonna say the picture of like Lewandowski pre-Barça and post-Barça, like coming from Bayern being cut fit and like seeing him now, you're like there's there's a clear difference. Like sure, there's a sure. clear difference. 
And I and I think those are my my must haves. And I and I kind of brought this up as just like a, a thing. Do you think it's better to have a manager that doesn't speak Catalan? Because you know, as a manager of Barcelona, and if like with you know, let's say let's take Xavi for example, speaking English, Catalan, Spanish, you hear all the noise, you know. And maybe as a manager, if you take out one of those languages, you don't hear all the noise, and you can kind of maybe be a little bit more focused on your job because it is so demanding and you're hearing the noise from so many places. Madrid and Barcelona are the only two teams that have such focus with two newspapers on those teams. You know, it doesn't happen anywhere in the world. So I don't know, maybe I'm just, I mean, I'm just that's true. But I, I think like the premier league has a lot of focus on those managers. I think what it is, is you just need to be a manager that has an idea and a strategy. And I think what tends to happen is, if that's not working and you can't adapt, you end up floundering in the media because like people are questioning mm. you left and right. Like, like when you look at some of the games that we've played, I don't love listening to the ESPN guys when they talk, but like there've been games where it's, everybody's been like, what is he doing? Why is this play? Why is Balde playing center back in that? I remember that one game where it was like Balde all of a sudden was playing center back and Cancelo was playing left back. And like, it was just Xavi was just throwing things out. You know, it's like yeah. game in, game out. You have announcers being like, they need to pass the ball quicker. They need to move. Like, every, when everybody can pinpoint what the issues are, but it seems like you can't, of course you're going to be defensive because like everybody's being like, hey, like you're not seeing a thing. And unless you actually have a reason that you think is going to pay off down the line, like you have really nothing to go on. Um, I think we'd mention Enrique. And I was thinking like, he's probably one of the last Barca managers that I saw understand that the Barca style of play wasn't just possession. Like I still remember the goal that Suarez scored in the uh, Classico over the top route one. Like we got it there. Um, You can mix that. Right. Uh, So it's just, I, but I hear you in terms of if you don't speak Catalan, you're not so focused, but I think, Regard, I think the thing with not being a Catalan manager or a or manager that speaks Catalan is we need something outside. We need an outside yeah. industry at this point. Like I've been looking at for work, you know, I've been researching some of these transformational companies and things. And, you know, IBM almost died in 93. They almost totally didn't exist. And a guy came in from the outside, totally changed them because he was looking from the outside in. We need a manager that's not, that's not going to be so deep in Barca that like they can't explore outside ways of playing or doing things. They can't bring in their own physios that are going to say, yes, we understand you pass the ball around, but you know what? You're going to run. When Pep came in, you're going to run. That was a thing. As yeah. you said, Enrique, you're going to run. Valverde was like, I don't believe in physical training. We need like completely different <laughs> mentalities, right? We just, we need something outside. Yeah, I mean, especially you know how it is, uh, especially in the states with so much advancement in sports, you know, workouts and different things. It's everything. It's always evolving, you know. And I feel like Barcelona is just behind the times in that idea. You know, I never see them with new advancements or new trainings and trying to explore those options. And I think you hit it right on. You know, we need to get an outside perspective. And speaking of outside perspective, if you know, we had a poll yesterday in our in our WhatsApp group about managers that we could get. Uh, you know, we we threw up every manager possible, right? And I, obviously, you're gonna have to take Klopp out because he's not gonna, he's not available mm-hmm. or whatever. But who would, you know, from the list that we saw, you know, we had a mix of managers from all over Europe. 
is there a manager that um, that entices you to kind of steer the ship and would you know a, be uh, the manager that you're looking for? Look, I mean, I think like a Deserby, like seems like he's. I mean, he's still young. He's still getting into it, but I think he has kind of the right mix of play. Um, I don't know. Like, it's just, for me, it's one of those things where it's like, who would be open and ready? I I don't think Arteta is like a great idea. I watch Arsenal. I'm not, I think he kind of has some of the same issues (laughs) that Xavi has. He's just been better. Uh, but yeah, I don't think he's going to be the thing. Like Nagelsmann would be interesting, but he's also kind of young. Um, but he was doing well. Uh, yeah, until, you know the Bayern situation. So I mean, he'd be young. He'd be different. He'd bring in some new ideas. But part of me feels like Deserby would be very interesting. I have two guys that I, I would hone in on immediately. Uh, the first one, my preferred one, is Tiago Mota. I think for two reasons. His contract ends this season, so it's a perfect symmetry of, like, it's, you know, we can definitely negotiate something. Mm-hmm. Uh, he understands Barcelona, um, but he's someone outside. And he's had success coaching Bologna right now uh, with a team that is limited on financial uh you know, resources essentially. So he's had to develop the team and really put something together. You know, uh-huh. it's kind of like, um, with Chabi Alonso too, is the same type of thing. It's yeah. You have a- enough resources to get players, but he's been able to develop and enhance those players through system training and that type of thing. So Tiago Monta for me is not my number one, but I would be excited for Nagelsmann because I think he would be different, completely different. I just don't know if he will ruffle too many feathers right out out the get-go, you know, and that he kind of has to find that balance in between of like, yes, it's my way, but also I have to kind of pick and choose my moments and I can't just be completely blunt at the beginning, that type of thing, right? Because I think that's kind of, you know, especially with a German personality and a Spanish, you know, there's going to be oil and water with that, you know? Yeah. But I do, what excites me is his, you know, his his football mind right like he's going to think about different things and look at the roster and try to put these players in the best position and again i think this is another fault of chavi you know i was speaking with bente it's like i i can't like you gundigan last year had his career year last year right yeah goals and assists right and how is it it's not that he's one year older and that's it like you don't fall off a cliff it's situational we're having him play defense you know yeah it's like to me that is one of the biggest glaring things when i look at this team and where chavi failed as a coach is like we need gundagun's goals like put them up there (laughs) i think that's the that's the thing for me when it comes down to chavi and and anybody could say this that and the other but at the core of it these players are not worse than Villarreal players they're not worse than Unistas players. They're not. They're, there are many managers that would get way better from this team. I mean, I think the Las Palmas, uh, uh, Pimienta, right? Uh, yeah. From yeah. I mean, it seems like Laporta and him had an issue, but I'd always Correct. thought he would have been the best person to come up next before Xavi. Um, 
there are put, there are managers out there that are doing way more with way less. We're not going to sit here and say man for man, Bayer Leverkusen has better players than Barca. We just can't say that. But like the fact that these players are being that some of these players are not as great as the players we have managers are getting the best out of them means that it's not a player issue. It's a manager issue. Um, when it comes to like you were talking about, you've lived in Spain. I have a, one of my really good friends, um, president of the FC Barca Pena, Matt Manson, lived in Barcelona, grew up there. I mean, he notes it's a very nepotistic, like insular yeah. society over there, right? And you, your brother is your your second in command. You like we've a lot of the issues I feel like with Barca has been we didn't go out and get the best physio. We got the physio that somebody knew. You know, yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. and this is the thing. So, like, not coming at Spain in that way, not coming at Barca, but like, sure, sure. One of the but... jokes is that like there are players that play, and you're like, oh, why is that player playing over this other player? Oh, he's Spanish. Oh, that makes sense, right? So there are things like that. That's why we need an outsider. I will say, I don't know. Like, I didn't see the conversation on this, and I'm I've, I don't like to speculate on managers, but Spalletti, Napoli's last manager that helped him win the Scudetto. He's taking, he took a break, um, but he, they played good football under him. He got a lot out of that team. They like, they were a team of good players that were made way better because of a manager that helped them play better. Um, I'm not going to say I love, I didn't watch them so much to say like, Oh, I love their way of playing, but I knew they attacked. I know they were attacking group. They obviously defended well. Um, so he's a manager that I feel like I would throw out on the list as well. All right. Well, let me just give you a couple of things on Nagelsmann. So he has 376 total matches under his belt, career win percentage, 56%. Um, he, uh, through his stats, is allowed, uh, he scored three goals and conceded almost one. So it's quite a nice percentage if we're talking. And again, I think he got a raw deal at Munich. Um you know, Absolutely. he, he did get, uh, he did make his, uh, bones at Leipzig and they were always exciting to watch. Um, Tiago Motta has 123 matches under his belt. Um, again, obviously in the Italian style, uh, 1.24 goals scored and 0 0.84 conceded. So obviously, you know, if we were to maybe have, uh, Neil Nagelsmann, obviously the stats are pretty impressive. Uh, and again, Tiago Motta for me, I think he would be a nice fit because, you know, he understands Barcelona. He played at Barcelona. He he kind of gets that at that. But again, speaking of the outside-in perspective, then I would definitely lean towards Nagelsmann. And he's not coaching right now. So he is ready to go. And, you know, maybe that's also uh, a solution. You know, maybe you, you speak to him and get him in sooner before the June 30th and get him, I don't know, get him this kind of free time with the team to mm -hmm. go into the off season to know what needs to happen. Because again, it's almost like when Chabi first came in, right? He came in at the mid of that season mm -hmm. and then he was able to kind of see what was going on, you know, get some new players. And I think that's going to be a benefit. And I think, you know, Nagelsmann doesn't have anything to lose. And I think, I think automatically, I think he's going to get a little bit more from Lewandowski. And I also think he can get the team defensively just a little bit stronger. That's just my view. I just think he is there and available, and I think he could definitely help out the team for the next two to three years. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you in terms of getting him in sooner. I think the the only problem you'd run into is 
one, because we stand on ceremony so much, I yeah. feel like that Xavi has announced that he's leaving at the end of the season. I can't imagine this team being like, actually, we do the <laughs> right thing for the team moving forward, and he's actually leaving now. Um, but again, this is one of the things that's wrong with the board. You know, yeah. it's like understanding that Xavi is thinking of leaving. Let's get the wheels in motion to have a plan B to say like, no, you're actually not staying till the end of the 30th. We're going to have this person. We're going to interview this guy. And we're going to have this idea. It's like we're always caught by surprise by decisions yeah. of the club and players, you know? I mean, it'd be interesting to to know because, you know, the last couple of weeks it's been Deco and Laporta coming out. We fully support Xavi and all this. Like, do you think – that they actually were like, hey, let's start interviewing because whether he decides he's going to leave or not, clearly things are not going well. We will have to let go of him. Um, and, and that's the thing. Like, you're shaking your head no. And I fully <laughs> agree with you. I don't think they were like – like I think they're they're like, hey, we need to save as much money, the cheapest option. Maybe he can turn it around, which, again, I don't know what you've been watching, but – there was nothing that told me things were going to be turned around. Um, I think the sad situation here is since Real Madrid, the games that we've played, Onistas, we had two defenders that just did some really good stuff. The team that we haven't won or beaten anybody as a team. Yeah. Lamina Mall has had an absurd series of games. And this is what I was kind of saying. And the last time I did this, it was like, Hey, Xavi's style of play requires one standout player that's just going to keep attacking and that offsets other defenses. It's not per se a strategy. It's it's actually just like a hope and pray that somebody just like grabs the game by the scrub of the neck and in that way opens up others. I think even if you look at the Villarreal game, like we, I don't know what the switch was. You To, to be fair to Xavi, you could say he made substitutions that came in and changed things around because we did start playing way better after the substitutions. However, yeah. what we did differently was move the ball quicker. That's all the change. And it just blows my mind that this isn't a thing that we could have done at the beginning. The first 45 minutes of that game was absolute trash. And then we play well for like 20, 30 minutes, go up, and then we start playing poorly again for the last like 10, right? Um, but it's things like this where you're just like, if we had started the game like this, if we'd started the game moving the ball quickly, what would have happened? Well, let me let me ask you this. I'm just looking at the the results for the year. You know, just trying to refresh my memory. You know, mm-hmm. what would you say is the the crown jewel of the season for Barcelona of this season? <laughs> yeah, so, like so- yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at the results. It's like there isn't anything here I'm seeing where I'm like. Yep, that's 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 where we we did it. We did a good job, you know. So the Obviously back, we can, back five O's. Yeah, but, but but also, do you think about that as just you know, yeah, for you know, we did do the five O, but at the same time, like, was that more of luck and sunshine? I know we beat Betis, you know, five nothing, and then we beat Antwerp. So again, Antwerp not that great, uh, you know, Betis. But this is back in man. September sixteenth. Yeah. <laughs> oh I will. I will say like I and I said this like the last time I felt like Xavi outmanaged another manager was Supercopa last year against Real Madrid. Yeah, that no, was I, where, I would agree. That was where we saw his four in the middle throwing Gavi up as an attacker, but he's really just playing midfield. Um, 
and relying on these two, one of them being a very fast, a very attacking minded Usman Dembele to like offset defenses and, and Real couldn't figure it out. But then we just didn't adapt. We just kept doing that. People figured us out. Um, so, yeah, I think the thing with those two 5-0 games was it was crazy because everybody had been saying before this, Barca needs to move the ball quicker, play faster, play more attacking, play more direct. We did that for two games, and we won. We had a 10-goal, like, advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and then we stopped. And we, like, we've only done that at very few times. Like, even the game, what was it, two games ago um, – I think it was two games ago. Yeah, the first goal we scored was interesting because we we're making a run. I think Gundogan like holds it, tries to pass it to like a player in the center of the park, and it bounces off and goes where it should have gone really quickly, which is like I think to Ferran, who was in the box and passes it across. But it's like we scored a goal that was really good, and it just happened to be like a like a, a deflection that took it in the path that it's supposed to go. Um I think when you watch this team, you you see the amount of runs that we just miss, or right. not even miss. Like I, I don't even I, take a chance. Yeah, but it, the the crazy thing for me is I've seen like like Frankie De Jong knows how to play a ball over the top. He does that. Like some of our most successful balls are Frankie's over the top. I've seen Frankie watch Pedri make that run over the top, not pass it, turn it, pass it to Ferran on the left, and then Ferran makes that cross into a fully packed defense that just heads it out which is what i'm saying like it's like oh let's just wait till you settle then we can yeah, yeah 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 um, like the gentleman boxer <laughs> yeah and it's just one of those things where i'm like that has to be because we do it so often it almost feels like xavi has told them crosses should only come in from the wings like i i just I, there's nothing that like tells me that these players are just actively not listening sure these are these are very good players that should be able to see a run and go, oh, Rafinha's off the end there. He's open. I'm going to hit it over the top to Rafinha. They should be able to do that. But, like, why would they not? That has to be coaching, right? So, yeah, so yeah man, there's no crown jewel of the season. Yeah, I mean, I just look at the, you know, September 29th, one nothing over Sevilla. The one nothing over Porto in Champions League, I was there. That was still brutal to watch. Then it was a two-two Granada, we and then a one. That game. That, like, <laughs> we did not deserve that win. Like I know, I know, I know. But I'm just, I'm just saying. Like th- I think this, this round of games, you could take maybe as like a good, um, perf- you know, like a good streak because it was Barcelona against Athletic. We won one nothing. We go into Champions. We beat Shakhtar Donetsk two one right before the Clasico, and then we lose the Clasico. So I would say maybe that was the the moment where we did. And then you look at everything else. It's just kind of been really inconsistent and then all of a sudden we just allowed the other teams to score we lose to Antwerp you know we um we we lose the classical in the Supercopa we struggle get the Unionistas um again we get in the Copa I mean the Copa del Rey you know just the the extra time again that's what we were talking about in the extra time as soon as one extra time I said we're not we're not gonna be able to do this like they the Williams brothers were just like oh um we have six gear. Let's just yeah. go. <laughs> They're yeah. just like, and they just went. I mean, even that game, it's 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 sad to think that, like, had we won that game, it would have been because Jamal stole the ball. Correct, correct. And then put it in. And Correct. the thing was, 
that's not you're not going to tell me Xavi designed that play. Yeah, the yeah, reason yeah. Why we all didn't believe that we could win in overtime is because it would take a team performance that we just cannot do. Not because the team isn't good, but because they're not set up for that. Like I think I had been saying it early in. It's like we're going to get found out because this team is ripe for being found out. I think the Supercopa match was the one that really found us out. I think the first Clasico, you see a situation where we're winning, we're playing well, and then we don't adapt knowing what's going to happen, right? We know Real is a last couple of minutes team. We don't adapt. Um, But look, my hope is that Napoli doesn't do what I feel like they could do to us, but they're not playing as well either. But yeah, Bill Bow in the in an extra time it's just like nope that's we have no there's no likelihood that we do this unless again one player just grabs it and keeps going with it and scores those chances so yeah man i mean you're right it would be great if anybody could come in now and and have that time with the team and you know there's always a new manager boost in a lot of situations so like that boost could really help us get into the stay in the top four um, but having that runway with the team so that we can come into next season properly prepared would be beautiful. And yeah. I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that they have that runway to understand like what is needed, how the players are, the players also adapt to what the coaching is and what maybe the new style is or tactically wise. But yeah, it's just, you know, um, as we talked about, it's, you know, this is the ebbs and flows of, of the, of following a professional team you know you're on top of the mountain you're in the middle of the mountain sometimes you're at the bottom but right now we're just kind of treading water right now so again um we will see what news comes of this this week we have this week um osasuna on wednesday night alaves on saturday osasuna always plays us tough because they don't Mm -hmm. they don't not fear us you know it's just it's just as I highlighted in, in on the Friday episode against Villarreal, I called out exactly what was going to happen with the attack. I said, watch out for the tall Norwegian, mm-hmm. good in the air, and also be careful with Moreno. And Moreno had a field day. He was all yeah. over the place, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't understand. It's like, I have access to this information. <laughs> it's like, still, it, like we're, we can't be – like, I – Often am like, look, I'm good. I, I I say my opinions and things, but like, I don't think I'm the greatest football tactician. But for me, it's just like to not see the little things shifted and changed sure. and tried is crazy to me. And the one of the last things I'll say on Xavi is, I do feel like Xavi, as one of the golden boys of the golden generation, had a lot of runway with the fans. And many fans didn't want to talk bad about him. Still, people don't. You know, sure. like we wanted to keep that legacy. I at a certain point this season, I had to be like, Xavi the player is completely separate from Xavi the manager. Yeah, I love yeah, yeah. Xavi the player; he's a different person. I've had to do that because of how bad I felt like Xavi the managers. And it's gonna be crazy if he feels like he didn't get the love and the like the respect or whatever or the the benefit of the doubt to see what another manager gets because that's, that's another one of those things where I felt like Xavi never took responsibility. And even as you're talking about his last press conference is talking about the agendas. Yes, their agendas, this and the other, but you're Xavi. We loved you. We gave you 
as much runway as we could, but we're not playing well. We're not doing well. We're not playing well. It's one thing if we were playing differently and winning. Yeah. And people are like, oh, it's not the Barca way, but that's not the case. We're not playing well and we don't look like we could play well. And now we're out of all of the winnable titles that we could win this season. So, you know, like people are going to start coming at you. Sure. Just how it is. Sure. And that's the thing. I mean, the way he's going to be able to save face is by getting us qualified for the Champions League at the end of the season. That's the only way he's going to be able to do that. But even that, it's going to be a struggle. And when I think of, like, you know, you brought up Napoli struggling in, in the league, but to me, it doesn't matter. I mean, we we have struggled in a way Champions League uh, performances, uh, midweek performances. I mean, we saw, you know, when when we entered Samamez and I saw the crowd, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God, we're not <laughs> we're going to melt. We're going to melt, you know. And, you know, as we talk about all these things, you know, um, I still think, you know, the defense is where he could still make some adjustments and just pick the lineup and just focus on that going forward, you know. And as we say, we, we, we're we fans of the club. We want the club to perform. And also we want to be entertained as well. So you can have both. And, and I just hope the new manager that comes in is able to fulfill the things that we're looking at and to also push us into modern football, because I still think we're still stuck in the past, and Laporta is still using that kind of Barcelonismo uh, keywords, you know, type of thing every time he's mm-hmm. speaking. And it's like, yes, but like we still want to advance into modern football. You know, that's one of the things that was great about Pep is like, yeah, he was able to do that, but he was also to advance it to 2.0, you know, yeah. and now 3.0 with Man City. You know, he's you're seeing how that can be adaptable to modern football. It is clear to me now you have to have a manager that is, you know, forward thinking, modern football, take the different competitions as they go. And yeah, this is what it is because the demand in Barcelona is super high. We want to win trophies and that's it, you know, and so we need to have a strong personality to come in. So we highlight some of the managers. It's It'll be interesting to see where the board takes us because that'll give us a clear line of how they're thinking with the nepotism, the 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 agreements and all this type of stuff. I mean, the worst thing is like, you know, what if they go for Mourinho? You know, that would be one of the worst things ever. And then on top of that, maybe someone like that's unproven that has a Barca DNA and then they bring in their brother and their friend of the physio again, you know, like we don't want that either. So, so it'll be interesting. I don't know if you have any last thoughts before we sign off. Yeah. I mean, I could see Mourinho trying to offer himself for very little (laughs) and, Uh and, Bar and uh, Laporte are going for it, which would be really sad. Hopefully, they understand fans enough to understand that that would be the dumbest move. Um, but yeah, everything you said is exactly correct. Hopefully, they don't they don't make a decision that puts us further back. They have a lot of incentives to not do that. Barca yeah. is a club that I feel like a good manager should want to come to, especially in this situation. Being the manager that brings Barca out of its current situation given all the challenges would be amazing that'd be that would set you up for life but so i think if you're if you're selling it right you can sell that to any manager worth their salt as you said the worst thing would be bringing somebody unproven just because they're cheap and just because they know somebody blah 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 um but it it really all like they need us to win they need the money to come in they know that um so hopefully they make the right decision and uh you know we love this club so we will be here regardless but 
there are some decisions that like you, the Mason Greenwood thing that people have been talking about. Oh, and they're just like, I feel like Mason Greenwood and and Mourinho are two decisions that would just like, just keep just stabbing at the, like, that's like opening a wound. That's just, you're just going to bleed out fans. Yeah, for sure. That's the other thing is like, you know, you know, speaking of nepotism, just to close off the episode is, you know, I really hope that Deco puts the effort and they don't just bring someone that is part of the Jorge Mendez uh, Colt, you know, in that in that coach, just because it's someone under Jorge Mendez, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope that they find and they, you know, I'm not opposed to a Portuguese manager, but it has to kind of, you know, tick those marks, right, for us that we have to see, you know, like, I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, let's say, um, the Porto manager or something like that, if he has a proven track record, that type of thing. But I just don't want Deco being like to Jorge Mendez, oh, yeah, put the feelers out, let's get someone that's under you, uh, you know, because you know them, they're a good guy. They'd be a, a good offer for Barcelona because I think Laporta trusts Jorge Mendez way too much, mm-hmm. you know, in this idea, especially kind of how the Joe Felix uh, issue came about. You know, it was a, definitely a concoction between Jorge Mendez and Deco and that type of thing. And, you know, like Joe Felix has not performed into the level that we expected. So definitely news is going to be coming. Again, everything's going to be, like we saw the Arteta rumor come out over the weekend by sport that like it was denied. So again, be careful on all the stuff that you read. It's going to be crazy uh, because again, the board is going to be throwing everyone out there. So uh, Remy, thanks for joining me as always. And we will talk soon. We will talk soon. Forza Barca. Pray for the club. <laughs> Forza Barca. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.